The city of Milwaukee and Milwaukee County would be allowed to raise their local sales taxes without getting voter approval after lawmakers and the governor reached a deal yesterday. It's Friday, June 9th. This is Wisconsin Today. Good morning. I'm Alex Crow. Coming up, we've got the details of a bill that would change the way most public schools in the state teach children to read. And reporter Sarah Lear tells us about the Madison Police Department introducing virtual policing. Stay with us. Thank you to the donors who make Wisconsin Public Radio possible. There are more than 50,000 of you. Your generosity delivers essential news, thought-provoking conversations, and inspiring music to listeners all over Wisconsin and beyond. Your support makes a difference in people's lives every day. Thank you. GOP leaders and Democratic Governor Tony Evers have reached a deal on a bill that would boost state funding to communities throughout Wisconsin. As Sean Johnson reports, the latest version would let Milwaukee raise its sales tax without going to a referendum first. The deal would let the city of Milwaukee add a 2% sales tax and let Milwaukee County increase its sales tax by 0.4%. They'd have to be approved by two-thirds votes by the Common Council and the County Board, not by referendum. That's a change from the position Assembly Republicans took in the bill they passed last month when Assembly Speaker Robin Voss said they were done negotiating. Asked Thursday why he went back to the table, Voss said circumstances changed. Sometimes the offer and the opportunity to get wins for things you believe in are so good, you have to change your mind. Voss pointed to new agreements that would boost per-pupil funding for private voucher schools by thousands of dollars per student. The deal would also boost per-pupil aid to public schools and set aside millions for special education and mental health. Sean Johnson, Wisconsin Public Radio. Republicans on the legislature's budget writing committee approved funding last night for three new positions to staff the state's crime labs. That is a far cry from the 16 that Attorney General Josh Call requested. Earlier this week, Call was joined by his former campaign rival, Republican Eric Toney, to support the new positions. Last night, Representative Evan Goyke, a Democrat from Milwaukee, said the staffing is needed to keep up with investigations into crimes. If there are backlogs and if those positions aren't uh, approved and funded, delays will continue to happen. They are a necessarily necessary part of that supply chain in the criminal justice system. Separately, the Attorney General also asked lawmakers to help fund the Office of School Safety, which is losing its federal funding. That office maintains a tip line about dangers to students from threats of violence to mental health troubles. GOP lawmakers did not approve any state money which Call said would gut the office. Wisconsin Republicans have released a bill that would change the way most public schools in the state teach children to read. The plan moves away from teaching reading through pictures, word cues, and memorization. Children would instead be taught using a phonics-based approach that focuses on learning to sound out letters and phrases. State education officials are not supporting the plan because it requires schools to hold back third graders who cannot pass state reading tests. 
Republican Representative Joel Kitchens says there will be many interventions to stop that from happening. We don't want to hold kids back, right? If we're catching them early and starting them on the path, and then when they get to that grade, you know, they'll have several opportunities to take the test. Um, what Mississippi does is if they still have failed it after like four tries through that summer, they have an intensive program to get them back on track. The bill also includes $50 million for training and reading curriculum. The pandemic saw the rise of live-streamed court proceedings, virtual job interviews, and telehealth appointments. That shift inspired Madison's police chief to try out virtual policing. Sarah Lear has more. Madison's police department launched its new virtual response initiative this week. Now, someone reporting a non-emergency crime has the option to chat with an officer over Zoom. Police Chief Sean Barnes says the video chat feature preserves the nuances of face-to-face -face communication while reducing the physical presence of police in neighborhoods. Some people, quite frankly, want to talk to a police officer about an issue, but they necessarily do not want a police car parked in front of their home or their business. For now, officers assigned to light duty are staffing virtual response stations in each of Madison's six police districts. But Barton says there's potential to expand the virtual unit in the future. Sarah Lear, Wisconsin Public Radio. Coming up, we've got a preview from our podcast, WPR Reports Uprooted. Maureen McCullum tells us about the lives of Cuban refugees who were sent to live at Fort McCoy. Stay with us. You tune into Wisconsin Public Radio for news you can trust, conversations that draw you in, and music and entertainment that make your day better. The largest source of funding for everything you value on WPR is listener support. Join the team that makes WPR possible. Become a sustaining member. Make an ongoing monthly gift and share WPR with your entire community. It's easy to sign up at WPR.org. And finally, it's time for Wisconsin Life. 43 years ago this month, almost 15,000 Cuban refugees were sent to live in southwestern Wisconsin. WPR dove into the history of this situation in the podcast WPR Reports Uprooted. Here's producer Maureen McCullum with a preview of that podcast, which explores the lives of Cubans in Wisconsin. Imagine. You're a 16-year-old kid, thousands of miles from home. You've just stepped off a plane in Wisconsin. For the next few months, you'll be living at an army base. There are strangers, people who don't speak your language. It feels like you're living in prison. Your whole world has been uprooted. You think you're alone, far from family and friends, when suddenly you discover your father, who you've barely had a relationship with, is also at this military base in Wisconsin. This was the reality for Armando Rodriguez, who left his barracks at Fort McCoy daily to meet with his father, Guillermo Rodriguez. I saw my dad on the other side of the fence, and we talked from afar. And we spent about a month and some like that. Armando and Guillermo are from Cuba and had to live at Fort McCoy until they found a home in the United States. They were here, in Sparta, Wisconsin, because of the Mariel boat lift. For five months in 1980, the Cuban government opened its borders and let its residents leave for the U.S. during the height of the Cold War. 
Almost 125,000 Cubans fled the island and landed in South Florida by boat. She says more craft are expected to make the journey in what could build into a Dunkirk-like evacuation. Because of that, the president yesterday declared a state of emergency in southern Florida. There's a hopeful feeling that they will be allowed to stay in this country and to find Many refugees left their homeland to find a better opportunity or escape Fidel Castro's communist government. Some wanted to be reunited with family. Others were plucked from jail and pushed onto boats. We arrived here in Key West, and then we arrived at Fort McCoy. In Fort McCoy, I stayed for five months. Armando was one of the nearly 15,000 people sent to Fort McCoy in Wisconsin before he found a home. Most of the Cubans who came to Wisconsin left the area after connecting with family or finding sponsors. But some people, like Armando, remained in southern Wisconsin. They created lives here as bus drivers, fathers, and musicians. Now, 42 years later, many of the refugees want to visit Cuba. People like Armando want to go just one more time but they can't. I've never been able to visit Cuba. I would like to visit Cuba. I'm not allowed to go. And if I go, I can't come back. I'm in the same situation as everyone else who has committed a crime. His friends in Wisconsin feel the same. I'm 63 years old. Wow, times go fast, <laughs> you know? And I haven't given up. I, I have wish faith. the immigration, you know, give us a second chance. Why can those Cubans get a second chance? Do you no, want to go want back and visit also? Yeah, I want to go see my mama before she dies. I can go to Cuba. Oh, you can? Yeah, I can go. Because I was lucky. I never met a crime. The only problem is when I want to do my passport, I talk to my sister to send my birth certificate. And when I see my birth certificate, that's wrong. That's not my name. Because when I, when I try to kill him, I always say, you know, the reason I did it because I want to go back to Cuba. I'm Maureen McCollum, and this is Uprooted, a new podcast from Wisconsin Public Radio. We'll hear from Cuban Wisconsinites who arrived here more than 40 years ago. These are the unheard voices behind the headlines. What were their lives like in Cuba? What was the journey like across the sea? What has life been like in Wisconsin? And after 40 years, where did they go from here? Subscribe to Uprooted wherever you get your podcasts, and you can see more at wpr.org uprooted. Wisconsin Life is a co-production of Wisconsin Public Radio and PBS Wisconsin in partnership with Wisconsin Humanities. Additional support comes from Lola Mary Peterson of Appleton. I'm Maureen McCollum. To find the Uprooted podcast, go to Season 3 of WPR Reports wherever you listen to your podcasts. And that'll do it. Thanks for joining us for Wisconsin Today. I'm your host, Alex Crow. Our producers are John Davis and Bridget Bowden. You can catch us wherever you get your podcasts every weekday morning. As always, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and review. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you again on Monday.